Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. Check out these archive episodes this week. Stop Creature Worship, Parts 1 through 4. Take a listen. Let them sink deep inside. Let the cross be cutting inwardly to expose where we have continued to take our needs either to our own performance or we keep taking things to other people and we worship them as our source. It's time to get back to Him as our only source and our only hope. He is everything to us. So check out these episodes and I hope that they will provoke you to go deeper with Him and connect more with me. All right, here we go. More conversations in this month of February as we are getting free from human love and shifting deep into the Father's love. Don't ever forget, you were never meant to live by the love that you can earn and perform for. That kind of love cranks up fear inside of us. It does not provoke us in maturity and faith. We need the God kind of love. If ever we needed it, my friends, we need Him and His love now because we need to mature. We need to be energized by faith that is motivated by His deep love. Today, I've decided that in this last conversation of February here on Tent Talk, that I want to hone in on a teaching that I did in a series called The Birthright of Love. And, you know, a birthright means that there are things that you receive simply by right of birth. You do not have to work for them, perform for them, be lovable enough to make others love you. It is a love that you receive because you are born into that family. And with the Father, we have a birthright that we now share. If we're born of Christ, we share in that same love and life that Jesus did. So today I want us to talk about the butter and the honey. How many of you know, ooh, butter and honey is so, so good. It's the richest and it is the sweetest. So the butter and the honey that I'm talking about is found in Isaiah 7.15. And it's talking about Jesus in the prophetic. And it's talking about him. And how will he know, this one born of a virgin, how will he know how to make the right decisions to stay with his father? How will he know how to choose between life and death? Because, you know, Jesus didn't live on automatic pilot. And you and I are not called to live on automatic pilot. We are called to live in a deep abiding oneness with the Father through the finished work of Jesus by the power of Holy Spirit. And if we're going to uh, make that our focus and our goal, then we must 
begin to really look intently and in a very focused way at how did Jesus live. You know, this is where I provoke people to say, look, now, is your goal really to live as Christ? If your goal is to be a nice church-going you know, Christian, most of you are going to need to just click me off right here because I'm not going to be able to help you do that because I'm not a nice church-going Christian. I am one who has had to come to the end of all of those things and had to step into my birthright as a son, a birthright uh, of love, a birthright of life and oneness with my Father. And this is what I want to provoke you to. So I've had to study and seek out and look for how did Jesus actually live. We've got to get this down into the nitty gritty of where we are every single day. So I came across this years ago in a book called The Character of God's Workman by Watchman Nee. And in it, he talks about the ability to be able to make those decisions. And so he referenced into Isaiah 7.15 that says that by the butter and the honey that he would learn to choose to make those right discerning decisions. And I don't mean right as in just as in right and wrong. Because remember, there is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then there is the tree of life. I'm talking about learning to go in that right direction, which is the tree of life, not just living as a nice moral person who knows right from wrong, but a person who is born of him, who is eating of the tree of life, who is determined to live like him. And to do that, then we must be those who learn this direction, if you will, this focus. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me, conform to my way of life, my way of thinking, my way of loving. And he said, and even if it be necessary, my way of dying. So in all things, if we're going to really be under the big tent of God and we're going to be provoked in this true personal process of discipleship, then we've got to say, am I really willing to conform to his way of life? Not by effort uh, in self and not by just, you know, trying harder, but of actually learning how did he live this way and then to realize he's given me everything necessary so that I too can live as a son unto the Father. So let's focus in on the butter and the honey. You know, there were so many things I wanted to be able to share, but I had to hone in and I decided this would be uh, a really, really good one and a really strong one to take this aspect and slice of how is it that Jesus came to make those decisions in the heat of the moment, in those pressing times? You know, I want to show it to you somewhat sequentially that this is really true. You know, if you let Jesus be real, you can be real. If you allow him to really be someone who made a way, okay, and he became the way, then you'll follow that way. He says, I'm the way, come this way, not only in salvation, but once you're saved and have decided to live as a son, then come this way of learning and maturing and developing and growing and expanding the massive life that he's put within you. So I want us to take a look at that. 
All right. So Isaiah seven fifteen is the crux of the scripture that I'm that I'm uh, launching out from. Uh, and so you know, with Jesus, all he did, his motive in all that he did was love. And grace was his ability to be able to do everything that he did. You know, it's an interesting thought that Jesus didn't resent all of his self-effort because he never put forth any. You know, some of us get resentful because we feel like we've had to work so hard and put out so much self-effort and we've gotten so little in return for it. But you know, Jesus never lived that way. He never lived resenting all the self-effort that he'd put, been put, being, that he had been putting forth because that's not what he did. He didn't live by his own self-effort and what he could gut through and what he could, you know, push forward. But he lived in a grace, in an actual ability that he was given by Holy Spirit. The grace of God was given to him. And the motive And the motivation for all that he did, the way that he matured, was by the love of his father. So this is why we look at the butter and the honey. He knew butter. It is the richest, all right? And that is the grace. And he lived by the honey, which is the sweetest, which is the love of his father. And because he knew the honey, he knew the sweetest love of all. He was never fooled by faux, fantasy, fake love. He lived in the real, true love of his father. Now, let me say this, that, you know, in the banks, when they want their um, tellers to be able to really notice counterfeit bills when they come through, they don't study the counterfeit. They study the real thing. They study the original. They study that which is real and true. So when the fake comes across, they're a whole lot more likely to be able to discern it and to be able to pick it out. So those of us who are going to be able to know uh, when something is not real, it is fake, it is not of him, well, that means that we've got to know that which is of him. And we need to spend our time learning and studying and receiving and living in the true love of the Father. When you taste that sweet honey, when you live in the deepest depths of intimacy and you begin to know Him season by season, day by day, uh, hour by hour, moment by moment in this abiding ability that He gives us, then I promise you, you're going to be able to discern when something fake, faux, and fantasy shows up. But if all you've ever known is that which is that human love, that toxic love, that counterfeit love, it is very hard sometimes to be able to discern when the real thing shows up because it doesn't appear like anything else that we've ever seen. So Jesus knew the honey, the sweetest love, and therefore he was never taken in by any scam artist or by those who would want to flatter him or distract him from his goal of going to the cross to Jerusalem. Because Jesus knew the very grace and ability of his father, he never chose self-effort. He he never thought, oh, I need to work harder. I need to try harder. I need to put in a better performance. He never thought like that because he lived deep 
in the honey, if you will, the grace of God. He lived deep in, I'm sorry, the honey, which is the sweet love of God, and the grace, which is the rich butter of God. He lived in that rich grace, in that rich ability that he shared with the Father. He said, you know, I don't say anything uh, unless I hear the Father saying it. I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. He was learning this all throughout his life. And if we are to live as sons, we must look intently at the son, at Jesus. Look at him and see how did he really live. And if we're going to take on his yoke and learn of him, then we've got to come out of those other slavery yokes that we may have put on, being a slave to the opinions of people, being a slave to the love that we can get from people, being a slave to our own performance. So as I said before, many of us don't know how to be real because we've never let Jesus be real. We just think, well, he's on automatic pilot. Well, you know, that's Jesus and he can do all of that. No, Jesus learned in private the love and the grace of his father. And then when those moments of real testing came, the moments when his decisions were very pivotal, uh, he had to uh, dip into that grace and honey. He had to take hold of it again at a whole new level that he might choose his father at every point in turn, never choosing to step out in independence as Adam had. You know, it's an interesting thought and an interesting truth when you realize Jesus had to pass the test every place where Adam failed the test. And so Adam failed to choose dependency upon the father. Adam failed to choose that the father would be the love of his life. And so at every point in turn that Jesus passed through his own testing, all right, he chose the father. But how did he know to choose? Listen now, this is how you're going to know to choose is because he knew the love and the grace of his father. He knew them. He knew the father. He knew the Holy Spirit. And he chose them in those moments. He ate the butter and the honey all of his life. You know, Jesus didn't do well, so he would receive the butter and honey. No, he received the butter and honey. He received the love of God. He received the very ability of his father to live as a son. And therefore, he knew how to choose well in deep moments of destiny, deep decision times. He was able to choose well, and God wants to do this in us. So I want to provoke you today into that. So let's kind of pass through these years of Jesus's life and really think about this now. Come on, I want to provoke you, all right, to really think about the days, the months, the years that Jesus grew up, 30 years in private, if you will. 30 years that he and the father were in private in his everyday life. He was learning. He was living. He was receiving the love of God and he was growing up. We see this in the scripture in the early years in Luke 2, 41 through 51. When he was 12 years of age, Jesus was in the temple and his caravan had moved on. They'd been gone for about three days and his mother, Mary, comes back frantic and maybe even a little bit agitated with him. And she's like, come on, you know, we've, we've got to go. And, and Jesus said, well, didn't you know I needed to be about my father's business? Now, Jesus doesn't rebuke her with, you know, don't you know, like in some sarcastic, demeaning way, all right? 
what he's saying, okay, is don't you know this is you know this is who I am. This is what I need to be about. You see, he was already eating the butter and the honey. He was able to share things with those in the temple, and they were like, "We've never heard this before." He already knew the Father and was already eating the food from heaven. You know, Jesus is quoted in the gospel saying to his disciples, "You know, I've got food you guys don't know anything about. I am eating." the food from heaven. He said, my food is to do the will of my Father. You see, that was later on, but right here we see the foreshadowing of that in these scriptures right here when he's only 12 years of age. He doesn't rebuke his mom in pride and in arrogance. You know, if that had been me or maybe if that had been you, we might have already been puffed up and tell them just go on back to your house and you do your carpentry. I'll take care of the spiritual stuff. Because some of us think just because we've found out who we are and we think we've seen a few things, sometimes we think that means that we're ready. But listen to me. Jesus had been eating the butter and the honey, the love and the grace of God. He had no reason to have to prove who he was. He knew who he was. He had no desire to run ahead of the Father, for he knew he was growing in the ability of the Father. So guess what Jesus was able to do because of the butter and the honey, the grace and the love of God that he was truly uh, experiencing Jesus, at the age of 12, knowing who he was, okay, he was able to go home with his parents and obey them for another 18 years, the scripture says, that because he didn't, he didn't really come out in his public ministry until he was 30. Some of us, we can't wait five minutes after we have been, you know, waxing prophetic and we know who we are in Christ and we think, man, I'm launching out. I'm ready to go. And we don't realize the time that it's going to really require for us to grow up to be ready to step out into what we see. Now, don't give up what you see, but please don't be fooled to think that just because you can see it, that you're ready for it. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. We want to be those that are able, like Jesus. We've got to eat the same food that Jesus was eating if we want to grow up this way in stature and in favor with God and man. This is what it says about Jesus at the age of 12. So Jesus went with his parents and obeyed them, and he could make this very decisive, important, pivotal decision because he had been tasting and eating and enjoying the riches and the sweetness of his father. I don't know about you, but by age 12, I wasn't eating the bread of heaven. I was eating the bread of bitterness. I had looked around and decided there were no adults around me that seemed to know the right thing to do. I'm being abused by my father, sexually abused by my father. My mother is not protecting me. I'm looking around eating the bread of bitterness, and I'm thinking there are no adults around here that seem to know what to do. So guess who I nominated? I nominated me. And at those early uh, years and in those early years, I started making the decision that I'm going to have to be the one that knows how to do the right thing. 
I'm always going to have to do the right thing. I'm going to have to fix things. I mean, God knows these idiots around here. They don't know what's going on. They're not able to handle things. I'm going to have to take care of it. So how many of you know that in my natural growing years at the age of 12, I was not, and maybe you neither, were eating this bread of heaven, but maybe you were eating this bread of bitterness and it was developing a lot of things inside of you as it was in me. But how many of you know that now that I am born again, how many of you know now that I'm being raised, now that you are being raised, because that's what discipleship really is, is to the raising of the sons. If they'll follow the son, then they can be raised like the son. So guess what? In my raising now as the new man, as who I really am, I can pass through this time and I can choose to eat of the honey and the butter. I can take hold of the love that God has for me and the grace that he has. I don't have to fix everything now. There comes a moment in time where I get to decide, no, I don't want to keep eating the bitter things of life. I want the sweet and the rich things of this life. Just like Jesus had to choose, I think I will choose this also so that his life in me can begin to be developed. I don't have to keep trying to improve the old or stay in the old. I can really allow him to grow and build the new within me if I'm willing to go the same way that Jesus went. The word tells us in Hebrews, I think it's in Hebrews 5, about verse 8, It says that Jesus learned special obedience as a son by the things that he suffered, meaning by the things that he endured. He stayed in the growing up process. He didn't ditch out and take an early, um, you know, attainment at the age of 12 and try to make things happen at 12 that were destined to happen at 30. No, he was able to stay and stay in the pace of God, the cadence of God, and stay with him and not try to do things too early or too impulsively. How many of you know we can learn that same way? But that's if our goal is to live as Christ. And I pray that it is. I'm praying that that's exactly what you're choosing to do. So let's proceed on and look at Jesus as he does come into his more public ministry. And we see that in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. We see this where he's baptized with John's baptism. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He was getting ready to be baptized so that he could identify with us in our need. Jesus was identifying with us. Can you imagine? There is so much I could say there, but I don't have time right now, but oh, that he would come and identify with us. So when John sees him coming, he declares him to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And John declares, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals, Jesus. But here is what Jesus says, so powerful. Look at this fruit of the butter and honey. He says, John, let us both do that which we need to do so that all of righteousness can be fulfilled. You see, Jesus knew I can't baptize myself. John, your part is to baptize me and mine is to be willing to be baptized. So let's get on with it so that all of the Father's plan can be realized. 
You see, every step of the way, Jesus had decisions just like you will, just like I will. And we need to know that the butter and the honey, the grace and the love of God is a huge part of this. This is why if you keep taking hold of the faux, fake, fantasy love, the toxic, counterfeit human love, that stuff's never going to grow you up. That's never going to take you into your destined life with the Father. That's never going to cause you to walk in true faith that is energized and activated by love. We've got to come off of the human love and come in to the rich and in to the sweet with God. Oh, it's so important. You know, Jesus wanted to come to the river and be baptized to be identified with you and me. He chose humility, my friends. He chose death so that you and I could have life. He was fulfilling all righteousness. And it was ultimately then at the cross that he was doing all of this. And it was being foreshadowed at the Jordan River. You see, there are things you have to do before so that you can get to the things that are going to be the real substance. Let me say it this way. You've got to be willing to see things in their shadow so that you can eventually be willing to do them in their real substance. You've got to be willing to do things in the order of God. And Jesus did things according to the Father. This is so powerful. He chose the good and refused the evil because he was full of love and grace and he knew he was lacking nothing and so he was able to take the lowly place. He was able to humble himself so that he could fulfill the will of his Father. Now we also see then as it progresses, his life progresses, there is now the temptation in Matthew 4, 1 through 10. The Holy Spirit has descended on him and now leads him into the wilderness. He is tempted by the devil and it oftentimes will appear as though Jesus is just quoting scripture and some of us I think have actually believed if we just have our like laminated card with our scripture verse on it and we repeat it and repeat it that somehow it's like a it's like rubbing the rabbit's foot you know and we like a talisman you know a lucky charm and we think somehow the devil's got to flee no what jesus was really saying in the wilderness temptation was with whatever the devil put before him which was the same things he had put before adam is what we see Jesus doing is choosing the Father and proving that the Father is enough for him at every turn. So the enemy would say, well, you know, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And basically Jesus would say, I'm just going to live off every word that comes out of my Father's mouth. Jesus knew the grace and he knew, he knew the love of his Father. This is what enabled him to make all of the decisions that ultimately brought him to be our Savior, our life, our Lord to be everything that he is to the Father and who he is to us. So Jesus knew that he was going to prove the Father, that the Father was enough for him. He wasn't trying to prove who he was, all right? He was never going to take the bait of Satan because he had been eating the power and the love and the grace of his Father. See, you've got to taste the real thing to be able to deny all the fake. I'm praying big, massive, massive loads of love over you today as you listen to this. Oh my goodness, Jesus wasn't going to give up his birthright for a little stew here and there, okay? Like Esau did. Esau gave up his birthright for a bowl of stew. He took something temporary, 
over something eternal. All right, now let's just proceed on. Now we're going to see in Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23, that Jesus here is going to um, have the opportunity to take false comfort from Peter, from someone close to him. Now, I just want to warn you that if you set out to go this way, you're going to find that there are going to be people who want to give you false comfort. They want to get in with you when you're offended with others. This is very dangerous. Jesus knew to resist false comfort. He knew to resist a lesser way because he was determined to go the way of the Father. You know, Peter had heard Jesus say several times that he was going to go to Jerusalem, suffer, and be killed, and that he would be raised on the third day. But Peter could not comprehend this. He couldn't bear it. And he began to pity the Lord, and he would say things to him like, No, no, Jesus, this cannot happen. You know, Jesus didn't see this as real comfort. And I think sometimes we take some very serious fake faux comfort from others when they see how much we're having to suffer, you know, as we go with God. No, there is no suffering as I go with him that needs to be pitied or to receive false comfort to get over it. Let me tell you, going with God is a privilege. Suffering as Jesus suffered is a privilege, all right? But to do that, we've got to know the butter and the honey. We've got to take the same thing that Jesus did if we're going to know this as we grow up in Christ, season by season, year by year, decade by decade. We've got to give God time to do it His way. I want you to don't miss the years, the months, the days that Jesus lived in everyday living, coming to know the Father in private, so that when these monumental moments came, he was able to make those decisions. So Jesus was able to say to Peter, look, Peter, you're minding the things of man, not the things of God. You're minding the things of hell, not the things of the Father. And you're minding the things of the world, not the things of our Father. And he told Peter at one point, just get behind me, all right? Because Jesus was going to make a very distinctive choice because he had eaten the butter and the honey. And that distinctive choice was death. Now, remember, he chose that because his assignment was to save the world. Don't worry, my friends. Your, your assignment isn't to save the world. But let God show you what your distinctive choices need to be in the heat of the moment and take hold of the butter and honey so that you can begin to pass through these seasons of growing up and preparation for when the really big things come. Because most of us, we haven't really stepped into our really big thing yet. We're still growing up and being prepared for it. So you see, if we're willing to choose this same way of death, which is the way of the cross, so that we can live this life, we too will know the butter and the honey at new depths. Listen, <laughs> I can't encourage you enough, man. Go with God. We're never going to outgive Him. We're never going to do more than what God Himself has required of Himself. Do you understand that? God's required more of Himself than He'll ever require of you and I. Yet He has called us, come and live like me. Come and live the same way of life. That's what Christianity really is, is come and live like me. 
You see, when God commands and says, now forgive those who, you know, persecute you and use you, guess what he's saying? He says, come and live like me because I forgive those who persecute and spitefully use me. So he's telling us, come and share in my way of life. He's not giving us a strange way for humans to live. He's calling us to live like him, sons who live like the father. So now we want to transition because I want to make sure and get these in is I want you to see now that if we continue on, we see that Jesus, that is transfiguration in Luke 9, 28 through 31, that Jesus refused an early ascension. And I want to say this to leaders out there. There are no shortcuts. We're not going to ascend early, no matter how you might be glowing with the glory today. Can you come back and go into the demon? infested valleys of your destiny with the Father, that others might know Him, where others can be led out, where others can be discipled, okay? We've got to see that at the Transfiguration, no matter how He glowed, He refused to go early. Jesus refused an early ascension, and we cannot be taking any shortcuts. All of our muscles in the Spirit must be developed in our learning obedience through what we are now willing to endure, that we take hold. But listen, don't try to do this um, like in a dry machine, like if your car has no oil, if it doesn't have any butter and honey, then it cannot keep functioning. Man, those those parts of that engine are going to start, man, they're going to start, there's going to be a lot of friction. It's going to be rough and eventually it breaks down. So do not try these things at home, my friends, all by yourself. You have got to take the same thing that Jesus needed. If Jesus needed it to grow up, of course we're going to need it. We need the butter and the honey of our Father. In John 18, 11, we go on to see that Jesus said, don't you know that I could call down 80,000 angels to rescue me? But he says, but then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? You see, Jesus wasn't looking for a rescue, my friends. He was looking for a resurrection. Oh, this is so powerful. I love Jesus and I want to live like him, that I'm not looking for a rescue at every moment out of everything that is pressing and difficult. No, I want a resurrection. I want to live in resurrection life. Jesus said, because he'd been eating the butter and the honey, he said, if I take a rescue right now, which my father would, he would do it for me. He says, but then how would my father's word be fulfilled? It goes on into Gethsemane in Matthew 26, 36 through 46 in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here we are now, his whole life that we've been looking at all the way through, all these decisions, all of these opportunities at any moment, Jesus could have gone back into heaven and he would have been fine. He could have returned to the glory, but none of us would have ever been able to follow him. You see, because he made all of these decisive decisions out of eating the butter and the honey, knowing the love of God and the grace of God, Jesus, when it came to it, he was able to discern the true cup of his father. You see, Jesus never signed up for stupid, senseless, satanic sufferings. He wasn't there just to suffer as some kind of martyr and die just any old death. Because, you know, there were many times where they tried to kill Jesus. And it says he would just walk through the crowd. He would just keep going. 
But now he knew, no, I need to be able to discern, is this the cup? Is this the death that is the will of my Father that will save the world? Is this the one? He was able to know that he could submit to that will of the Father and see the will of God be accomplished, which was your salvation and mine, that we might go from salvation into the whole purpose of it, which is sonship to the Father. You see, without all of these decisions towards the Father, from the temple to the garden, there would be no cross, my friends. Obedience And many decisions came before that decision of the cross. We want to be those who also come to know the real, true love of the Father and the real, true grace of the Father, that we too might be properly motivated by love, properly matured by love, that we might be those who have the ability of God, that we're not trying to do it in our self-effort. We're not trying to draw from our own you know, strength reserves. We are tapping in to the love of our Father, season after season. And so we will know, as we take hold of the original, we will know the fake when it shows up, and we will know how to resist it, how to reject it, because we know the love that is our Father. This is why it's so important that we give up on human toxic love. That's not just me trying to be negative, all right? I'm trying to say... Don't ever think that just human love is ever going to cause you to be able to live in oneness with the Father. Whatever it took for Jesus, that's what it's going to take for us. So, here on this uh, episode here on Tent Talk, I pray that you've been provoked today, provoked to go deeper with Him, to have more uh, understanding and more clarity, to be able to answer the call, come to me, He says, and walk with me. I want you to know this. I want you to be able to stay with the Father in those um, pressing decision moments that you and I both know are coming, that when someone else might try to seduce you away, would you really be able to have the wherewithal to say, no, I'm going to continue on with Christ. And that at every point in turn that you're tempted to take a lesser route, you know what those places are in your life. I don't need to give lots of examples. You know where you're being tempted and tested and tried and, and, and encouraged maybe even by others in the body of Christ and certainly the world to take a lesser route. Don't do it. Eat the butter and the honey. Stay with the richest and the sweetest, the love and the grace of your Father. Let it grow you. Stay in private with Him. Your days of public ministry or your days of public living, how you interact with others, all of that will take its place as you stay with Him in private. That's what it means, tent talk, under the big tent of God's presence, learning directly from Him what real love is. Quit taking Christian lessons from the devil and begin to learn of Him, from Him directly. So I am releasing strong measures of butter and honey for you. I pray that you will come to know Him 
and the love that he has for you so that whenever the enemy comes, no matter which way he comes, through good or through evil, and he wants to offer you many advantages, he wants to give you all kinds of things that you will be able to refuse that and be able to choose the Father. All right? So I'm so glad that we were together today and for these uh, conversations that we've had here in the month of February. I look forward to where God is getting ready to take us on Tent Talk in the weeks ahead. Thank you so much for being with me, and I pray that this will provoke you deeper into your own personal process. All right? Love you all. I'll talk to you next time. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.